Well, bless the Lord, everybody. Word on Wednesday, and I'm just a couple of minutes late because I didn't prepare properly. I, I, I always make sure that I got everything done except for the technical stuff, and that technical stuff will get me every time. But not to prolong the hour, um, I want to dive right into tonight's lesson um, after a word of prayer because this this lesson is, is has been one that is so difficult. Good evening. How you doing? Um, this lesson has been one that is so difficult to get out because I believe that it is the key to heal, healing for the body of Christ. And we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and tonight the subject will be the Lord's Supper. And I think that this passage that we study tonight has has so much is so powerful and so revealing and so relevant to the conditions today that I think we that, that Satan does not want this word to get out. So what I want you to do is I want you to be really, really um I, I need you to really pray tonight because and, and next week too, because we won't finish this tonight. We will not finish it. We'll just we'll begin to peel it back. But it's going to be really important that you stay with me tonight, okay? And you know, do go one step further. Normally, I forget to tell you to share. Push your share buttons tonight. I didn't forget. Push your share buttons. And if you have questions, um, especially toward the, or comments. Put any comments that you make, um, I won't see them real good right now. But questions to, as we close out tonight, put those up on the screen. Uh, so and I'll make, I'll I'll glean real far forward, just like I'm doing now, to make sure I can see it. And I'll answer any questions that you have. And for those of you who are on Blog Talk Radio, if you have a question, you can call me at nine two nine four seven seven. Two three oh four. Now I got all that out the way, so I don't even have to go back on that over there anymore. Now let's have a word of prayer, and then we're gonna dive right in. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come. God, we thank you that when you send us into battle with your word, that you go before us to prepare the way. Father, and I bless your name tonight. That is our follow you, that as I follow you, I know that I have the victory. Please, oh God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Father, let me say precisely and clearly what you have told me to say concerning your word. Fill me with your spirit. Give me words that are spirit, that they can reach the hearts of your people. And that which needs to be torn down, it's torn down. That which needs to be corrected is corrected. And that which needs to be renewed is renewed. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so if you will, open your Bibles to 
1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. And I'm going to start reading there. And I think uh, I'm going to... Uh, I'm not going to take the whole passage. I'll just take part of it tonight. And it reads like this. And I'm starting at verse 17. In the following directives, I have no praise for you. For your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. No doubt, there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. Sounds like Paul is kind of upset there, isn't he? He says, he says, I don't have any praise for you. I have nothing good to say to you concerning your participation in the Lord's Supper. Now, let's get personal for a second. <clears throat> let's get real personal for a minute. First Sunday of every month, Christians in the Baptist church, and I, I believe in the Pentecostal churches also, um, we gather together for communion. And in the old days, when I was younger, we would do it on a Sunday night. As a matter of fact, um, the, the only ones that took communion during the daytime were those who were either, um, who could not make it back at night for, for whatever reason. But generally, we were expected to come back that evening for a special service in which we took the Lord's Supper. Now, when we take the Lord's Supper, it is an interruption in our regular Sunday morning schedule. In, in, in most churches, it's, it's just a part is baked into the service. Okay, we got to get we got to pull fifteen minutes out there to have the Lord's Supper. And I believe that because we don't properly celebrate the Lord's Supper, that we have problems within our church. And I think it's because we really don't understand the purpose of the Lord's Supper. As a matter of fact, we don't most most people don't even call it the Lord's Supper anymore. They call it communion, which has an altogether different meaning. When we say communion, we just talking about uh we we are 
communing with each other. We might be having a conversation or or we might be partaking of something together. But that is not the purpose, nor does it fulfill the command uh, that Jesus gives us in, I believe it's Luke chapter 24, to, or to Luke chapter 22, um, to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And I just gave you a hint. I just gave you a hint what we're not doing. Number one, let's, let's, let's dig into what was happening in this passage. Go back to Corinth, and what you will find is that they were supposed to be celebrating the Lord's Supper, and they did not have a church as we know it today. There was no designated building, no specifically designated building where they held that where where that was just for church activities. What they had was you are still dealing with the era of the house church where you would meet at one of the members' homes and there uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper was a feast. And just like all feasts, there was protocol. Now, I want you to see something. The host or the homeowner was the Lord of the feast. And in that particular society, a feast, um, they still had what's called benefactors. Uh, and they, 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 that society operated in a kind of caste system where you had, um, for lack of a better word, you had the big eyes and you had the little U's. You had people coming in from all uh, socioeconomic uh segments of society. You had the host who was probably well-to-do. Then what he would do is he would bring in, at this feast, he would bring in people that um, he wanted to get close to. So in those feasts, those feasts were actually, could actually become business parties. And so you brought in the people that you wanted close to you, the people that you wanted to impress, the ones that you wanted to curry favor with, the ones who could do you a favor, and they were, uh, they were seated close to you. They would recline at table with you. And what you had was you had a courtyard, and then you had the outer court, the, 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 the space outside of the courtyard, because only so many people could fit around that table. In addition to that, the way the food was served, you served the important folk first, and then everybody else. You had people who um, arrived late to the feast or you know, had to work late, and so they would get there later, and so not only did they not get the choice portions that the people around the table were getting, but also what was happening was that sometimes 
there was nothing left for them. So what do you have? You have, again, go back to our original teaching. You had all of these different cultures converging on Corinth. Then you had the uh, conventional way of holding a feast that said, all of the muckety-mucks get around the table, and the rest of them get what you get. They got the choice portions of food. They got the good wine. They got to be, they were in the in crowd, and then there was everybody else. And so can you imagine that if you thought you should have been at the table, if you thought you were somebody and you got scorned how you would feel or how you felt if you were always on the outside looking in. And let me, let me, let me, so I don't have to, let me put it in today's language. So every time they passed out the chicken, wasn't nothing left. By the time the plate got to you, by the time the platter got to you, it wasn't nothing left but beaks and feet next. You never even got to taste a chicken wing. And you are supposed to be the feast. This is what we're dealing with. This is what Paul is dealing with. He's dealing with what's going on during the Lord's Supper. And so he says, he says, there are divisions among you, and I believe it. No doubt that there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. What's, what's, what's even, what, what, to make it plainer, so you can show that you all that. So what they were doing is this became a time when they showed out. And in showing out, what they were doing was they were humiliating. They were humiliating those who were of lower social standing or didn't have anything that, that, that would um, commend themselves to the host. And this goes against the very teaching of Christ. Now, let me, let me show you something, okay? Let me show you something. Uh, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 22. And so the first thing that Jesus does and that Paul undoubtedly did when he showed them how uh, to fulfill God's command to celebrate the Lord's Supper, he, he rehearsed with them what they were supposed to be doing. Turn to Luke chapter 22 real quick, and we'll spend some time there. Now, in Luke chapter 22, to, just to give you a quick overview, this is the celebration uh, where Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. And they've gone through the, the, the cups, and I don't, at a, at, a, at a different teaching, I'm going to go through the actual communion. It won't be tonight, but um, they've gone through, they broke bread. He's, he's pronounced over them that 
he won't drink of it again, the fruit of the vine, until the kingdom of God comes. Uh, he has announced this. He has told them that I want you to do this in remembrance of me. And, and oh, I'd love to get into that, but it, I, I won't even get that. I'm holding that. I'm holding that. But he, first of all, he talks about, and where we're going to go to tonight is the attitude, the attitude that we have to have when we take or when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Because whether you know it or not, the Lord's Supper is a celebration. Let me say it again. The Lord's Supper is a celebration. And how what we're doing today passes for a celebration, I want to know. You handing me that that prefabricated cup of, uh, uh, of grape juice with a wafer in it, and then you're going through the motions of fellowship with me, how that's supposed to pass as a celebration, I have no idea. And I'm trying not to, to let my emotions show too much, but we're not celebrating anything. All we're doing is half, ooh, we're not even halfway fulfilling what we call an obligation. We're not being obedient. We're just going through the motions. It's kind of like mama told us to go in there and wash the dishes. So we went in there and we half rinsed them and put them back in the cabinet. And then we, and, and want mama to celebrate us because we um because we watched we did what she said. The spirit in which we approach this, we're in a hurry. And so what we have right now is drive-bys. You know, we just hurry up, get the, get, pass them cups out, blah, 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 blah. And the Lord said this, confess your sins. You know, we, he took the cup, he took the bread, passed the bucket around, throw that garbage away, and let's keep on doing it. And back to our regularly scheduled program. That is not a celebration. And I know some of you are probably thinking right now, well, wait a second, hold on, hold on. What should we do? I'll tell you later. But I will tell you this. The first thing that we've got to do is we're going to address the, it is almost like a funeral. And I don't like it. Because I, I, I'm, I'm, no, I don't like it. But let's deal with this socioeconomic thing first, okay? This big eyes and little use. Let me show you what Jesus says. Now, they're in the middle. He's in the, he, he has inaugurated the Lord's Supper. He has told them that this is a celebration, that this is a new beginning. Remember, this, this takes place during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So they are celebrating the, the, they're getting ready to celebrate the Passover. And part of celebrating the Passover is getting out all 11, getting rid of the sin, the, the symbols of sin. He is getting ready to, uh, he's, he has just 
confirmed the New Testament in his blood, the new covenant. And in the midst of all of the celebration, there, there arose a dispute among them. Look at verse 24. Also, a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. Watch this now. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom just as my father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, what? wait a minute, hold on. So, go back a little bit. He says, the greatest among you shall serve. The greatest among you shall be as a servant. Now, go back a little bit further. Go back a little bit further. Um, John 13. Go to John 13 real quick. 13. I'm getting excited, and I'm getting which direction to go in. John 13. Wow. Well, I'm just going to. It was just John 13, verse 1. John 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew the time had come for him to leave the world and go to his father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he was coming from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath need only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not every one was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. 
Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you, done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. The problem at Corinth that we have that we uncovered tonight is that they had the wrong attitude in their communion. They looked at it just as their society looked at it. They had, they looked at it as an opportunity to network and to be in the, with the in crowd. They were not serving one another, but instead were looking out for themselves and doing the things that made them look good in each other's eyes. And in doing that, what they did was they humiliated. They were humiliating members of the body. When we set ourselves up as greater than, better than, more than someone else, and we fail to take into account how it makes them feel, we are not celebrating. Not only are we having a fast food adventure, but we are doing damage and not good. And one of the things that we have to learn to do when we go into the household of God, when we celebrate, or if we ever again celebrate the Lord's Supper, is we must begin to look around and put ourselves in a posture of service. We have to have a heart willing and ready to serve, not ourselves. You see, when we walk up in there, you know, and, 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 and me too, me too, okay, so don't think that I'm, you know, sticking a finger at everybody else. No, when we walk into the house of faith to celebrate, to celebrate, we have to follow the example, and we have to, to answer the question that Jesus asked the disciples. Do you know what I have done for you? Do you know what I just showed you? I just modeled for you the attitude of a servant, of a servant. What you are to do is you are to not figure out who's going to get elevation, not try to figure out who can get the best seat, not try to figure out who's going to sit down front and, and, and get the pastor's attention. As a matter of fact, pastor needs to be in the back, and he needs to have him, as they say, and wrapped up and ready to serve along with everybody else. Our attitude and our concern needs to be 
not for ourselves, but for somebody else. I got to stop. I got to stop. I thought I was going to get a little bit farther. I thought I was going to get a little bit farther. I knew it was going to be tough. I knew it was going to be tough. But that's what I want to leave you with that tonight. And I want to leave you with some questions. And the question that I'm going to ask you is, okay, so when you went to communion, um, and that's what I'm going to call it until we get it right. When you took communion on um, first Sunday, as you get ready to take communion next first Sunday, what was your attitude like? And what will your attitude be like? What will you think about? What were you thinking about last communion? Were you just all wrapped up in yourself and your sins? Or did you look around and you say, how can I help? How can I serve somebody else? Um, and I, I'm I'm trying to see everything. Y'all know I got I don't have my good long distance glasses on. I, I get a chance to review this later. Um, but that's what. First of all, we gotta have the right attitude. You know, so so many times what we're doing is we're we're we're, we're sitting up and we're thinking about um, how I put it. We're thinking about am I taking, am I drinking, eating and drinking to my own damnation. Do I have some kind of sin in my heart because I haven't forgiven one of my brothers or my sisters? Or do I have an ought with somebody? Yeah, that's move that out the way for just a second because that's not exactly what that passage says. We'll get to that look like week after next now. But instead, if we have a heart for God, if we have a heart for God, then our attitude is to love our neighbors as ourselves. And I'm going to say to you tonight that one of the purposes of the Lord's Supper is to renew our commitment towards our neighbor to renew our commitment to stand with them, to serve them, to help them, to support them, to undergird them, to consider their needs and what we can do to help them. One of the purposes that Jesus wants us to see is that we have to be willing to serve one another. And he goes to the extreme to show this because he takes on a task that is so menial that Jews considered it wrong for anybody but a slave to do it. And here we have God himself disrobing, and washing feet. Mm. Think about that for a second. I got to say, what does it say? Mm. Mm. Oh, 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 oh,
But anyway, I want to stop for a second. I want to stop for a second. And you know what we're going to do tonight? We're going to spend a few minutes. Uh, get your questions together. Get your questions in, together. We're going to spend a few minutes just praying. And in our prayer, you know what I want us to do? I want us to repent for our attitude, for not having the attitude of a servant. Now, I I hate for somebody to tell me to repent for something that I didn't do, okay? Because so, when they, you know, at the place that I fellowship in, they get up there and they read this thing about, you know, I repent for my sins, and I don't read it because I'm like, I ain't did that. I didn't do that one. Now, if you're going to tell me to repent for something I did, I'm all in. If I ain't do it, I ain't confessing no lie. Because then I'd have to confess, Lord, you know I'm lying, right? So I ain't doing that. But if if you feel the same way that I feel, okay, if you feel the same way that I feel, that our attitude in the Lord's Supper is wrong, then pray along with me. And if you don't feel like your attitude is wrong, pray for me. Amen. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. God, we bless you and we praise you and we give you the glory. God, as we come to you tonight and we look at the celebration that you told us to have, we recognize that our attitude within that celebration is not right. I myself, Father, have to confess that I got a really, really bad attitude because it's not right. They're not, they're, it's just this is not what you said do, and I've been angry. I've been angry with church leadership because of the fact that we haven't just really really studied this and we haven't done it the way that you've told us to do it. We're just doing something and getting out of the way, and that makes me mad. And I've been this way for a long time. Father, will you forgive me for my attitude? And forgive me for not placing myself in a position where I can show my concern and love for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, we repent of this right now and ask your forgiveness and ask for your spirit to lead us in such a way that our attitudes and our hearts are right when we come into your celebration. Help us, God. We thank you for your word that reveals to us the areas where we are falling short, the areas where we are practicing sin. Now, Father, even after you forgive us, show us. Show us how to get it right. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've got questions, put them up there. If you have questions, put it up there. I see y'all having a great conversation. And that's good. If you have any questions on Blog Talk Radio, uh, 929-477-2304, 929-477-2304, any questions, we're going to pick up right here next week. We're going to pick up right here next week. 
don't think that we have um, even touched the surface of this passage. Don't, don't you know? Don't we haven't even we haven't even touched the surface. I'm going to have to go back and go through a couple a couple of more things in just the parts that we've read already before we can get to Paul's teaching as he, as he reviews what he taught them. Yep, because you know, can you imagine sharing what um, what it what those people looked like back in those days? You know, think about it. When Paul talks about early on, he describes that congregation, and he says, "Not many of you were wise. Not many of you were well to do." So these were working class people. The bulk of the church were poor. Peasants, day laborers working from day to day to earn enough money to put food on the table. They didn't have these big houses and stuff. And so to come into somebody's house that was supposed to uh, host you and then be humiliated, translate that to today. To come into the household of faith to be humiliated, or to come into the household of faith more, like you say, worried about what you look like? Uh-uh. How about worrying about what your heart look like? How about, you know, because it says man judges at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And when God looks beyond our Nice, well done hair and and our beautiful suits and our uh, beautiful robes and all of that. What does he see underneath that? Is that pleasing to him? Does he? What does he see when he sees all of that selfishness? When he sees that all we trying to do is impress somebody else and we ain't thinking about him. Oh God. Okay. I, I think all of us are. I think all of us are, 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 are upset, Lagila. All of us are upset. There's a there's a lot more upset than what you think. You know what? They would just criticize me. I, I, you know, they just have to criticize me because. You know, being in uniforms and all of that kind of stuff, too bad. Now, I try to, you know, I try not to upset the apple cart. But I'm more interested in in what God is interested in. And God is more interested in the condition of my heart than he is in me following protocol. You know, I, I've been through the, the black... Skirts and uh, and, and, uh, and uh, excuse me. When 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 I was there, we used to have to wear the black suits, the white shirts, and the black ties on communion night because everybody had to be uniform. And that's all. That's all well and good. But that's not what it's all about. And that's what we have let this thing devolve into. We've devolved. It has it devolved. Devolved into shape, form, and fashion. 
It's devolved into an empty ceremony, void of substance. And Paul is going to later say, because you're doing it wrong, that's why you're dying. That's why you're sick. And I will preempt myself in this. That's why churches are dying today. That's why there's a sickness within the church and the sickness where people, where the church is so sick it looks like a leper now to the world. And the world's not interested in getting no leprosy from the church. But that's what that's what we look like to them because of our attitude and our the action fashion that we're going through and the fact that we don't show love for one another. We ain't concerned about nobody but ourselves. And the Lord's Supper is the place where our commitment to one another is reaffirmed. And if we don't start if we don't start doing that, I got news for you. Off the scene we'll be. Amen. Okay, I'm gonna read this later. Let me see what you say here. I now can pull it up close. Amen. Okay, look, let me go ahead on and um, call it a night. As you, can, we we're studying a subject that is near and dear to my heart, and I believe that God is calling for us as a church, as a church, and each one of us individually, to begin to be a part of the restoration of the restoration, not condemnation, but restoration of this important church ordinance. So be in prayer about that and ask God what he wants you, how he wants you to participate in his restorative process. Amen? And we will continue next week. You guys be blessed and have a wonderful, wonderful evening. Bye-bye.